0: Hello, and welcome to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. You have questions, I have questions, and we're going to explore this community together. I'm your host, Philip Rebentish, chief storyteller of Got a Story Media. My guest today is Warren Blasovsky, the co-founder of Gladbrook Holdings in Long Beach, California. I stopped by Warren's office to discuss the company's cannabis investment philosophy, products, distribution, and the cannabis political environment in Long Beach. We also talked about the return of the apothecary concept for helping patients. What is old is new again. Warren, thank you so much for taking time to be on Cannabis for the Rest of Us. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Gladbrook Holdings provides a variety of services for the cannabis industry. Tell me the story of how your company got started and what gets you out of bed every morning to come into work.
1: What gets me out of bed every morning to come to work is... Well, we've created for ourselves here in my hometown of Long Beach, California, a beautiful office space that we like coming to and our staff likes being at. Um, And also what really motivates me um, is not only the business opportunity, um, but also wanting to help people uh, with cannabis medicine.
0: So I know your company, there's two sides to your company. There's an investment side and then there's also the product side. So let's talk about the investment side a little um, first. So in general, what draws investors to the cannabis industry given the state of affairs now?
1: Well, cannabis has been making big news in the investing media recently. Uh, There's large mergers uh, and it's really just a hot topic in investing. my investors, what draws them to cannabis investing is the opportunity to really diversify their portfolio. Uh, So when you look at the offerings that Wall Street has to offer, stocks, bonds, equities, and mutual funds, that's all basically the same investment, just different angles on it. I find that investors that are drawn to me often have a real estate background, a real estate investing background, and are excited about this emerging industry, the fact that cannabis business is in its infancy uh, in California really gives them the feeling that there's a ground floor opportunity.
0: So I'm curious about why it's attractive to real estate people. What are some of those common traits of the real estate business, you know, other than possibly speculation or recognizing a value? What's the commonality there? I
1: find that uh, real estate investors have already accepted the fact that Wall Street is not offering them the best opportunities and uh, successful real estate investors know that they need to find their own deals and that those are most likely with a private operator in some type of partnership or small real estate fund. And so to those ends. Uh, my partner and myself both come from a real estate background, and so we've devised this business uh, in a similar structure to a real estate fund. Previously, um, before the most recent legislation in California, um, cannabis businesses had to be organized as caregiver nonprofit collectives, and that was always problematic for us. Um, With the advent of the most recent law passed in 2016, we now have the allowance of corporate ownership of cannabis businesses. And so that corporate ownership structure is really something for us that uh, made this type of vehicle uh, more appealing to a real estate investor or to an average private investor.
0: Do you think it's relationship driven?
1: It's absolutely relationship driven. A lot of money is going to be made in cannabis in the next few years, and right now it's about picking the right horse in the race. And so, you know, how do you pick that horse, Uh, really, it has to be based on relationship, it has to be based on trust.
0: Right. So, along those lines, what are some of the challenges that a cannabis investor needs to have their eyes open to?
1: I'd say, when it comes to cannabis investing, the choices that present themselves uh, at the beginning of a search that an investor might do um, are two unfavorable choices. On one end of the spectrum, we see um, local unlicensed cannabis businesses. Often it's your dealer's cousin who has <laughs> a grow down the street.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Uh, he might not be, have no business experience um, and there's a lot of risk in that type of uh, investment. It's less of an investment and uh, you know, a risk of just wanting to get into the market and finding someone to lend money to that's cultivating. So that's one end of the spectrum. On the other end of the spectrum, there's the big names that you see in the financial news, the MedMens, the Canopy Growth, traded in Canada um, or traded on over-the-counter stock exchanges. And the problem with those type of investments is we don't see a clear path to repayment. So if I were to go buy $10,000 of some over-the-counter cannabis stock, the question becomes when and how do I get repaid? Uh, There's no dividends in sight and So for, for that investor to get repaid, they've now got to time the market and sell those stocks. The problem being that you, you are now playing a penny stock game and you're having to buy and sell penny stocks and it's no longer a cannabis investment. We view it as a penny stock investment in the cannabis sector. So neither of those extremes on ends of the spectrums were appealing to us or to our investor base. So that's why we created a kind of middle of the road uh, fund structure where the investor has a clear path to repayment and profitability.
0: So can you tell me about some of those vehicles? I mean, if I knew nothing about investing in cannabis, which is actually the truth, um, what avenues or vehicles or instruments are available to me, available to me through you? I mean, what, what do you invest in? Well,
1: the way that we've structured our investment is uh, similar to how a real estate fund is structured or another investment fund, we, our investment's divided into two portfolios. There's a real estate portfolio and there's a cannabis portfolio. And so the real estate portfolio, um, we own a couple of buildings that will be used to manufacture cannabis in Long Beach and we felt that the ownership of those buildings was important. The tenant improvements and the build out to build these laboratories to, and, and factories to uh, do cannabis manufacturing uh, is, is very expensive. Mm-hmm. The amount of labor and time that's put and money into these buildings. And so we felt that it was important for us to control the real estate. So we've got a real estate portfolio, which is included in the fund. Okay. The second part of the fund is the cannabis uh, portfolio. And the cannabis portfolio is primarily built around manufacturing, which in cannabis means extracting the essential oils from the Mm plants, and then creating some type of end product, whether it's vaporizer cartridges, um, topical uh, skin creams, um, pharmaceutical type suspensions and tinctures um, or edible products um, or other novelty edible products. Um, so that's the, that's the manufacturing part of the cannabis portfolio. Um, our cannabis portfolio also has um, a retail um, division uh, where we have storefront dispensary as well as we are developing um, a home delivery pharmaceutical uh, f- a pharmacy a home delivery pharmacy that's meant for the most severe uh, medical patients
0: so if you can't go to a dispensary the dispensary comes to you but more of a, a program because I know you can get you can get cannabis deliveries now right you're able to do that but are you saying that you're doing it more for a specific market a pharmacy is a little bit different take on that from your typical medicinal marijuana thinking so tell me a little bit about that I'm curious
1: correct so Uh, because of the stigma and the way the legislation has come down surrounding cannabis it's left uh, a a patient without an avenue to get medical treatment with cannabis and so what that's left us with is this dispensary model that's currently in existence uh, but with no trained physicians or medical providers that are able to treat the patient with cannabis Um, our solution to that is going back to, if you think about pharmacists a hundred years ago, they were almost a practitioner in a way because there wasn't a doctor available. And so a hundred years ago, you might have gone to the pharmacist and told them what your symptoms were and the pharmacist would concoct some medications (laughs) for you. Mortar and pestle. Exactly. So we are bringing that back because of the realities um, of the the setting, the legal setting in California.
0: That's fascinating. And with my own experience, I, I can understand that because when I first got my recommendation a couple of years ago, yes, I had an interview with a physician. I told him what I was looking um, to achieve by use of medical um, cannabis, but that was it, right? I couldn't get a recommendation for any type of product. I couldn't get a recommendation on a dispensary that I you know should be going to. And so that concept, I think, that's awesome. How did that come about?
1: Well, um, as we were developing the plan for the cannabis business, uh, we realized that we needed a long-term goal um, that involved intellectual property, and also we felt passionately about the medical side of the business. Mm-hmm. So uh, the short-term uh, Income source will be the recreational market, but really what drives us and our passion is the medical patient And so as we were looking across the landscape and looking at what was lacking It was exactly what you were talking about was that dispensary experience where um, an adult goes to the dispensary they might have medical problems that they want treated with cannabis but they end up having to treat those problems themselves uh, with experimentation so we'd like to take some of that experimentation out. And what we call it is uh, uh, Warby Parker meets customized medicine. So what we're going to do is send a sample starter kit to our patient. Um, and they will uh, titrate the dose, taking very small doses, mm-hmm. recording their experience and their symptoms alleviation. Then they will send the data back to us. And we will use our algorithm and our proprietary system to develop a customized cannabis medical protocol for each individual patient.
0: That's awesome. And so I'm curious, within that protocol, do you consider things like when it was taken, when did you start feeling the effects? Do you feel something an hour later, things along those lines, I mean, that kind of data?
1: Correct. So all that data will be recorded in a diary or a smartphone app and then sent back to uh, headquarters where we'll analyze that data. And what the outcome that we're looking for might be this. Uh, Let's say a child with epilepsy um, needs a a significantly high dose um, to alleviate those um, epileptic seizures. So we might give that patient based on the experience and the data collected, um, a certain strain with a certain dose in the morning to alleviate her seizures so that she can go to school, Mm -hmm. but have energy.
0: Right, without being sedated from the effect of that particular strain.
1: Correct, and then possibly a different strain uh, that she takes at night before she goes to sleep that does have the sedative effect, and also alleviates the epilepsy seizure symptoms. So that's the type of customized medicine that we'll be looking at creating for our patients.
0: So I'm curious, let's talk about training and education of of the pharmacists, shall we say. Are you developing that program? How is that criteria being developed?
1: We are, so we have a physician um, on our advisory staff and she will be helping develop training programs not only for physicians, Uh, to learn how to treat patients with cannabis, uh, but also a certification program um, so that these bud tenders, as they're called, very (laughs) often young people, people, teenagers or people in their 20s that don't have formal training um, as being the front line um, in California for the medical cannabis consumer. Uh, So we're working on developing programs both to train the physicians on how to treat with cannabis um, as well as the dispensaries to create a certification program for dispensary owners and their staff um, that can give them quality peer-reviewed and evidence-based medical um, information to deliver to their patients.
0: So I'm curious about the physician that's helping you develop this this, um, curriculum. Are they a physician that has been uh, a cannabis physician for a while or just the opposite? Have they been a physician that's now developed an interest in cannabis that is interested in recommending that for patients?
1: Correct. So it's the latter. So the physician, she used to be a surgeon um, and she's now uh, practices in the functional medicine arena, which that's an area of medicine that is evidence based Western medicine, uh, but they look to treat the underlying causes of disease. Uh, as opposed to typical Western medicine or allopathic medicine that treats the symptoms. Um, so she it comes from that functional medicine background and has seen the lack of good treatment information um, so that these type of doctors can use cannabis as one of the tools in their tool set to help their patients feel better.
0: That's awesome. Do you, are there a lot of people? doing that? I mean, there are a lot of physicians that are moving that way, just from an industry standpoint. I mean, this sounds fairly unique to me. Uh,
1: The United States is way behind on cannabis (laughs) medicine. No. (laughs) And so really, um, Barcelona and Israel are two centers um, of high-level cannabis research over the last 20 years. Um, So... You know, we're looking to those doctors and they're actually going to be in California, at UCLA next month. Um, there's a conference or it might be in October, a UCLA conference with a lot of the high level medical doctors from around the world are going to be there. And so we're going to go and commune with them and, you know, try to pick up the latest information on, on treating patients uh, with cannabis.
0: So you're developing this curriculum. How then do you teach your frontline sales personnel in the dispensaries, the bud tenders themselves. How does that happen?
1: Well, some of that remains to be seen. Okay, TBD? <laughs> yes. Um,
0: <laughs> but I, it's better to get it right yes. than rush into something.
1: I think it's what's most important is uh, that we have decided and have made a commitment um, to provide training to the frontline salespeople. Right now, there's really no training whatsoever, and the little bit is out there Often comes from the manufacturers of the products, but because the legislation in California just um, is getting developed as we speak, uh, the the market hasn't really matured, and so you know it hasn't matured in terms of consumers' tastes on a recreational side, and it it has not matured in terms of medical patients being able to find the solutions that they need. Um, So, the training will be comprehensive and uh, the training will use um, evidence-based medical studies um, to educate um, those frontline staff um, on how to get the right medicine to the patient. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this recently, but really the terms sativa and indica which refer and ruderalis that refer to the different species of the cannabis plant really just refer to um the characteristics of plant growth Um, less the the idea that's existing now that indicas are sedative and um that sativas are energetic it doesn't hold true in a lot of situations and so as you're seeing um New terminology and new types of classifications coming out um, a lot to do with what are the effects of that particular strain. So is it happy giggly energetic is it sedative um, body high and Calming, you'll, I think you'll start to see that develop more as opposed to is it an indica or is it a sativa strain? Right,
0: because essentially that's describing the characteristics of the plant of that that species, not right. necessarily what those effects may be. And at the end of the day, it comes down to how that particular strain works with that person and that particular ailment.
1: Correct. Everyone has a different body chemistry, and so that's why when we're developing our our personalized Home delivery dispensary. Uh, it will be um, the doses will be titrated and the strains will be sampled by that patient, and will be we will be developing their personalized cannabis medicine around their own experience, uh, not not the average
0: experience. So, who do you think your consumers are for the pharmacy delivery?
1: Uh, we'd like to think that our consumers will be. Um, um, minors that their parents are looking to cannabis medicine for treatment okay and also um anybody that is looking for um an alternative to western pharmaceutical medicine i mean as we all know there's I think 50,000 opium overdose, opiate overdoses a year. And um, in the states where cannabis has been legalized, those opiate overdose deaths have gone down significantly, statistically shown. Um, So not only can cannabis be um, an alternative to pain medicine, um, but there's also science now showing that. Um, cannabis is a good way to wean somebody off of an actual opiate addiction. So, um, there's new emerging fields in terms of um, recovery from opiates, um, as well as, you know, existing symptoms that and diseases that can be treated with cannabis um, that haven't been explored before in the United States due to the laws. So to answer your question, who are, who will, will, our customers be, um, any patients that want good, clean cannabis medicine, that's personalized for them, um, that want it delivered at home. I don't, I don't particularly like going to the pharmacy. And I don't like particularly going to the cannabis dispensary. Um, I prefer to have my medicine delivered to me, um, and I think a lot of other people do too.
0: So question, um, is it cash-based on the delivery setup? I, I mean, because again, the, we know the cannabis industry is pretty much cash-driven just because of the banking situation and the federal regulations. It's still a Schedule One drug, so you can't get a bank account. So how, are, how will consumers be able to pay for that?
1: Um, it's going to be cash based. Okay. It's interesting that you ask that um, because I have some previous experience with um, the medical industry, and my own personal philosophy is that the insurance company is not your friend. And you you need we need to return back to the relationship between the patient and the doctor. And so, when I personally need, a medical treatment. I don't look to the insurance company's approval uh, whether I'm going to get that treatment or not. Right. That's a decision that I make between, between myself and, you and my your
0: doctor. doctor. What a concept.
1: Yes. <laughs> and and in fact, I mean, doctors are. You know, I saw a recent survey where doctors are getting increasingly frustrated with their with their job and their quality of life um, because the relationship is not a patient doctor relationship it's now an insurance company patient relationship right because they're gatekeepers they are Um, so this will be a cash-based business um, although of course we'll have a sliding scale for the most um, the most uh, ill patients um, especially the ones in financial need I don't know if you saw the news about the CBD drug that the FDA just approved. Yes, I'm aware of that. Well, soon after the price was released per year, it's $34,000 a year um, for an epilepsy drug. And so, you know, cannabis medicine right now could certainly be that expensive, but we think as uh, production methods improve and the market normalizes, in conjunction with our sliding scale, that we will be able to provide affordable medicine to people that need it.
0: That's so awesome, what a great mission. So I've been using the phrase recently that, as an industry, we must first be a community. I'd like to ask you a little bit about the community within the city of Long Beach. Um, Has it been welcoming in terms of government officials? Are they supportive? Just tell me about the scene here, other than it's really beautiful. Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, the cannabis scene here uh, is quite interesting. Um, in fact, um, Long Beach has a, a fairly long history with the previous under the previous uh, law, which was Prop 215. Um, What's the, that? Prop 215 yeah. was the original medical marijuana law.
0: Back in the day. Yes, back in the day. Okay.
1: And. Um, So California had dispensaries; uh, these they were called caregiver collectives. They had to be nonprofits, right? Right. um, Or you made a
0: donation, correct? It was a donation. You never bought anything. You made a donation, Donation. correct?
1: And so um, there were some early pioneers um, here in Long Beach that set those original dispensaries up. Um, Then at one point, uh, Long Beach decided to regulate the cannabis, it was called medical marijuana at the time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things they did was shut down all the dispensaries and they held a lottery. Well, some people thought that the lottery was um, not held correctly. And in fact, it went all the way to the California Supreme Court. And the, the Supreme Court determined that the lottery was held unconstitutionally. It was unfair. So the results of that lottery got thrown out So Long Beach continued to make mistakes um, as the original medical marijuana law progressed over the last 25 years. Um, About four years ago, uh, Long Beach had a voter-passed initiative that was backed by um, both patients and and caregiver collectives. Um, It was called Measure MM, and it passed with a 67% mandate and so the people of Long Beach clearly spoke and said that they wanted safe access to medical marijuana here in the city of Long Beach.
0: Where do you think California regulations will be a year from now?
1: What we're hoping for um, is a more streamlined um, regulatory scheme. Um, right now, um, because local municipalities have been slow to license businesses, the predicted tax revenues have not been collected. And those tax revenues are what the state was planning on using for enforcement. So basically, because there's been some glitches in the supply chain and getting these cannabis businesses online, the black market has continued to thrive this year. Um, And so primarily what cannabis businesses that are in operation today are suffering from is competition from the illicit market so I think in a year from now, um, these municipalities will have gotten their cannabis businesses online. And in turn, the state will start to collect the tax revenue that they were looking for. Um, and then enforcement of the you know illegal businesses, I think will be more regulated. It's good for the consumer. Um, a study that I saw showed that 87% of cannabis in California test positive for Herbicides or pesticides. So that's really the risk that a consumer is is running when they're buying from the black market. And right now, um, there's I, most of the population of California, or a large portion of the population of California, has to drive over 60 miles to get to a dispensary. Um, so hopefully, those problems will will get sorted out to where um, there's safe access throughout the
0: state. Well, it's it's a bumpy road. But hopefully things will smooth out because in the end of the, at the end of the day, it is for the consumer's interest to have things be smooth and to be buying products that you can trust.
1: Yep. And I mean, one thing that's forgotten, I believe, in the legislation as well as in the reality of the cannabis market is this is medicine. There is a recreational aspect to it. But unlike alcohol and tobacco, this is medicine that people need to heal themselves from, various kinds of disease. And so, um, you know, having a vice tax or whatever they want to call it, an excise tax um, on ultimately what is a medicine, um, I really think is a function of the powers that be, the large pharmaceutical lobby, the alcohol lobby, and the tobacco lobby. So hopefully... um, And I think these cannabis businesses and our cannabis business will persevere um, and be able to provide both a recreational product um, as well as a serious medical product to those uh, patients that need it.
0: Well, Warren, thank you so much for taking time uh, to speak with me today. This has been great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Cannabis for the Rest of Us. Please subscribe and help us grow. Check out our show notes for more information about this podcast and Got a Story Media. You can find us at gotastory.com. That's G-O-T-T-A-S-T-O-R-Y dot com. Thank you for listening.